0: At Luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus turns and conditions apply.
1: with love. Let it surround me. Surround Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers. Touch Down Under. I'm Matty Peverell, joined as always, not by my co-host this week. I'm joined by Shannon White, BTC's very own Shannon White. You might have read his articles on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. You might listen to him on The Hangover. Shannon, welcome to your Touchdown Under debut.
2: Hey, Matty. It's just I'm just happy to be here. This is a an honor and a privilege to be on with the Maddie P.
1: thank you very much no i'm looking forward to it it's been one that uh we've wanted for a little while now but uh you know mark couldn't be here today and and i know he's keen to get you on as well um but i think it's an interesting one for us and uh for our live listeners as well across youtube and facebook uh and then also for those on the audio side and we've got a really really uh loyal uh audio following here this started out as an audio only show as well but There's some very different accents that you're going to be hearing on the show between (laughs) you and I. So I think it's a real, really nice uh, representation of of how global the Steels are. Mm -hmm. But uh, what have you been up to on your Saturday, Shannon?
2: Well, I've been watching my West Virginia Mountaineers basketball team get slaughtered. And like I was telling you earlier, it's every team I like right now in any sport uh, sucks on offense and, and it makes it very frustrating and difficult to watch. I had to go through it with the Steelers and now the Mountaineers, they can't score either. So, uh, but that's part of being a fan, the ups and downs.
1: <laughs> that's it. That's it. But we had a really big up the last couple of days as Steel fans, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. being able to uh, have TJ Watt declared defensive player of the year. I've got the this mm-hmm. service TJ on today for those listening live and those in the audio. Now you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, Shannon, what was your thought when he finally got that? I mean, for me, like 2019, I was like, come on, 2020, I understood it with Aaron Donald. But, uh, yeah, what, what? how are you feeling when you heard TJ finally got it?
2: Well, well first I was thinking it's about time. Then when JJ came out and I said he was going to be the presenter, he's been very outspoken about TJ should have already won one. So yeah. I'm like, you're not going to bring him out to present the award, did not give it to TJ. So I thought that it was very um, emotional between them when, when yeah. they got to hug each other and uh, they are what genetics in that family. I mean, how many uh, brothers could say that they have both won a defensive player of the year award. So I was so happy for TJ. Uh, he's earned it. He deserved it. And then he comes up here and says, this just motivates me more. And that bodes well for the Stillers in the future.
1: 100%. It's, it's also something quite unique um, about having brothers on the same team. You know, we've mm-hmm. had that with the Edmonds. We've had that with a few. And it's funny for Mark and I because one of the rugby teams that we support here in Australia are known for having brothers and they've had, like, all-star level players as brothers. So it's kind of funny when you get this sort of – and then I think it adds to that family unit on the team that, uh, you know, it's uh, – Derek's in an interesting position, but we we might get there later in the show as well. But for me, I agree with you. Like the the emotion to have, you know, JJ come out and announce that that hug that they have. TJ didn't need to say a hell of a lot. I thought, you know, and I like. I I mean, I always love that. You know, it just makes me more motivated. You know, going forward, I think. You know, and it was funny because they. I heard one of the interviews with TJ at the Pro Bowl. And they said, oh, how does it feel to be in another Pro Bowl? And he said, well, it's not that great because it means I'm not in the game next week. And it's just that that attitude. And, you know, we've talked a lot on this show over the last few weeks um, around a little bit around culture and mentality. And I know that's something that's been quite consistent across um, a lot of the BTSC shows and something that, you know, you often talk to in the BTSC Slack channel as well. But, you know, does that give you a bit of confidence with some of the way that he's talking in terms of that leadership now that we aren't going to have you know, Big Ben in
2: the locker room. You know, the funny thing is you got a guy like what who had a record tying year, uh, even though he did it in less games when you consider the games that he missed and then yep. the games he didn't play the full game because of those groin injuries. Uh, so I, to me, he broke the record, but we'll leave it at that. But agree. <laughs> when you have a guy that's that great, who's motivated, nobody has to say anything to him. The coaches don't have to say, Hey, you work on this you know the exit interview is real easy um he, he's so dedicated and driven then you have a guy like and i've got an article coming up about this devin bush who towards the end of the year he's saying i think i'm doing all right i think i'm doing you know good enough you know i'm home it ain't my fault you know that is the opposite of what Tj is Tj's trying to take responsibility when he you know when he was out there they could win when he wasn't out there, they didn't win. That's as simple as that. Yeah, That shows you the different mindsets between the two players. And that's why one player is defensive player of the year. And hopefully one day he'll be a champion because you build your championship teams around guys like that. And the other guy I'm ready to move on from, but that's a topic for <laughs> another show, I guess. <laughs> well,
1: no, it actually is a really good segue into the topic of the show today. So, you know, there's that, classic and it's a real you know biblical saying around you know not building a house on sand and building a house on rock and a solid foundation and um you know i sat there playing with words around steel but it kind of doesn't go in what the saying actually is or the almost the proverb if you like that that it is building your house on rock and so you know it's funny there's going to be a lot of show there's been a lot of shows there's going to be a lot of shows whether it's on btsc or other you know networks that some of our listeners might you know sort of listening to around who they need to get in the draft and who they need to get into free agency. And I think what often is missed is that the two, you know, go like, go together, like hand in glove, you know, and there might be players you miss out on, you know, in free agency that choose somewhere else because they like the city better, it might be a better deal, might be better incentives, might be a little bit more money. It might They might be like Juju and choose to stay with the team that they've been with, you know, and, and go for another year. Like the Green Bay Packers might be a team. Devontae Adams might be in a similar situation or they get tagged or what have you. Um, And so then you've got to go fill that need in the draft equally. You know, there are other teams that probably sit there hedging their bets on the draft. And then you see that second wave of free agency come about as well. Um, But obviously, you've probably talked about this on a couple of your shows. There's articles that you've written, particularly since the season ended. And there's articles that you're going to be writing and have in mind. Today, where we sit, because I'm I'm sure there might might be some change. There might might not be, but where are you? What are the two positions that you think are the biggest needs today that would would see a markable change in the Steelers? Like might get them two extra wins.
2: Well, quarterback is is going to be. i I've, I've said that I'd like to see them get a bridge quarterback, somebody with experience like a Mariota, Trubisky. Um, and then if there's a quarterback they feel strongly about, not throwing him right into the fire because they have so many needs at the moment. Yeah. But me and you've talked, I'm all about the foundation of a football team. Yeah. The foundation starts, I think, with ownership. It starts with the culture, you know, from the, the front office. And then it starts with your offensive and defensive lines. Yep. and you build from there. Um, the Steelers, you know, they have the Rooney's, but Dan Rooney took over. Then they hired Chuck Noll, and then they they drove, drafted the most influential Steeler of all time, the foundation of the franchise in Mean Joe Green. Um, the the Steelers don't want to say we're in rebuilding mode, and I know they don't want people to think, well, we're we're going to be okay winning four or five games. but you have to accept that this rebuild is going to take at least two seasons. You might be more competitive in that second season, but if you look at that roster talent wise from top to bottom, they got like two guys on defense, uh, three with Fitzpatrick and a couple of guys on offense. And that's it. As far as guys that they can depend on moving forward, they need a huge influx of talent. Now they have free agency and they have the draft, but to me, they have to focus. The two main things is I don't know if I want to say center, guard, tackle, because they could use one of each. Mm. But they have to strengthen that line in free agency in the draft. And I would like to see a difference maker at the inside linebacker, whether it's Buck or Mac, because I think we need both. Because, again, how I feel about Bush. So, to me, it would be an offensive lineman and a middle linebacker.
1: So this is an interesting thing, right? Because, and I've been thinking about this a lot, um, you know, and, and I think I've started to, there's probably Andrew Wilbar and I and, and Michael Beck are probably the ones that are biggest on the draft, um, you know, I, I think from BTSC as well. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, battle or, or what have you, but we probably get it. We, get, we definitely get into it earlier than mm-hmm. a lot of
2: people, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's funny. I've been talking for a little while around, I'd much rather a proven performer, at cornerback, a decently young, like like cornerback. So, you know, sort of 27, 28, nothing older. Um, Someone that you can sign on a two or three-year deal and make it worth it and spread the hit that it's going to cost you next year. And for a left tackle like an Armstead, I trust that more than a draft tackle. And Andrew Wilbar, interestingly, said to me on Slack over the last couple of days, you know, he's not really that fond of the tackle class either outside the top top few guys, like I was Mm -hmm. telling you before we went on air. So for me, I'm looking at it and going, well, who are the top tackles that are available? And it's not that great. There's not that great a number of tackles that are available in free agency. And I talked Mm -hmm. about that on my War Room show this week. Uh, There's a lot of good interior offensive linemen in this draft. That's really solid. There's depth going through into the fifth Mm -hmm. round like Mm -hmm. we you saw last year. Um, Center is a bit 50-50. There's a couple of top guys in free agency that you're going to have to pay. Um, And so I think it's interesting. And then when you talk about inside linebacker, Um, Obviously, you had a great article that came out this week. I did a profile on the same player in War Room in Chad uh, Mumar out of Wyoming. Mm -hmm. But I also think around some of the inside linebackers that might be available, uh, you know, in free agency as well. And I think it's quite interesting because last year you had a player in Denzel Perryman uh, become available. And he was someone that a few people had talked about. The Raiders went after him. He ended up having a Pro Bowl year. He was 29 and a lot of people didn't, you know, weren't that mm-hmm. big fans on Perryman, but he can hit someone. So I think if, if we were sitting here today, um, with the salary cap that available that Steelers are gonna have, and you talk about those two big needs, if you had to pick the draft to fill one of those needs and free agency to pick the other, which would you pick for those positions?
2: I don't know if you've seen our last Steelers hangover, but man, I think they have with the amount of cap space they have, and I believe they want to try to extend Fitzpatrick. Yep, so I think they could make one substantial signing on offense and defense. Yep, on defense, I've already said JC Jackson, uh, the cornerback from the Patriots. Yep. Uh, he's the right age, like you talked about. Uh, he's made the Pro Bowl, he's he's a guy that you can just put on that side, put on who he will cover whoever you don't have to put extra. Help on his side in coverage. And the Stewarts have got to change their philosophy of coverage. This, this playing in between, not pressing and, and, and then also not, uh, going full zone. That's, it's, it's not working. They're just getting torched. Yeah. Uh, with regularity. So I guess Jackson would be my, my top priority on defense. Also, like you was talking about inside linemaker, you have Vanderbosch. Who's on the market, and you have uh, Rashad Evans, two yep. guys that the stores were really interested in, and they weren't able to get in either one of them. And then, so of course, the next year they traded up for Bush. Those two guys are now available. Vanderbosch, you know, looked like he was going to be a stud when that first his rookie year. But then, of course, he, you know, he's a taller guy and he has a really long neck and uh, something I know nothing about. And uh, he uh, he had that suffered that neck injury, so it's kind of set him back a little bit. But he started to look more like yourself last year. We don't know what the cost would be, though. So that you know that would be an issue. And Evans never has become what I think a lot of people thought he would yeah. be. I mean, he's he's solid, but he's not special. So maybe that would affect both of those guys' price ranges to keep them. You know, in line to what the stores are looking for.
1: Yeah, and I think you bring up two really great um examples there, particularly when you think about Evans uh, from the Titans, because Jay on Brown's also up, so they're going to have to spend mm-hmm. money on one of those guys, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and, and I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Brown as well in you know in our team as well. So I think mm-hmm. this is this is the interesting thing, and I think the other thing I've said to Mark recently as well in this show is that there are a lot of there's still a lot of coaching hires now obviously there are a lot of coaching hires that have been settled this week but there are the coaching staffs that have got to come mm-hmm. in with a lot of these coaches there's still some GM moves being made there have been some changes in GM what a lot of people would have said oh this team will go after this person in the draft three or six months ago that's going to change and, and you and I talked about how much that will change to the combine and we'll get there a little bit later in the show but it's going to be very interesting to see even how that shifts things because if we take the Raiders for example with Mayok, right? Like he always likes to pick from some of the top schools. That's why you saw Leatherwood go at 17 mm-hmm. last year. when a lot of people felt he was a second round pick at, at left tackle. So I think that's interesting. I guess when we talk about the steals and, the, and these positions, as you said, building from those foundations, what are you – What do you think that the inside linebacker position, as you've talked about there, or that centre position – is gonna have which one of those is gonna have a bigger impact on the on this team's prospects next
2: season? Well as me we and you've talked I'm, I'm not ready to give up on green yet. Uh, if he has a full offseason, uh he dedicates himself to position specific training, uh core strength, functional strength. He's working with Marquise Pouncey, which mm. You know, I mean, you know, who better to learn from? If you look at some of the guys who've been very successful with the Steelers, they learn from, you know, as I say, at the foot of Ramon Foster, or they learn, you know, from um, Smith or, or, or DeCastro, you know, not just technique, but what it means to be a Stiller and what was expected of them at that position. So I'm not ready to give up on green, but um, the center position was so bad this year. Yeah. Green, you know, people don't understand making a position switch at the highest level is a lot to ask for anybody, but a center is almost the center and the quarterback handle the ball every play. Yeah. The center has to be confident. He has to be, I think the leader of that line. And the stewards have been so lucky to have that down through the years, four decades worth. And I would, I think a a center, like I said, if they would have took Creed Humphrey, I think he would have stabilized the line would have worked well with Dodson and even maybe helped Turner. Some instead of Turner trying to help green who was very green, very raw (laughs) at the position. So um, I think that the, the, the line regardless of what happens, my main focus is on getting that line back to respectable and then looking into the next year, maybe of being special, but they have to solidify that line because you're hopeful that you're going to at least get a Lulu back on the defensive line. And we don't know about to it, but you can't count on him at all because we don't know. So, uh, but they have some options there and, and free agency options. But again, strengthen both of them lines, and I think it'll make the biggest difference.
1: Yeah, I'm, um, yeah. So there's a few things. I don't want to lose my train of talk. So I think there's three <laughs> things that I want to ask you out of that. I think, or well, three points and two questions. So I think the first one is you bring up to it, which is interesting. And I want to go into him a little bit later on. But I think, you know, for to it, you know, if he doesn't come back with the cap savings there and the cuts that mm-hmm. other teams are going to have mm-hmm. to make. Personally, I'm really not worried. I think they're gonna get someone that can do who might not be completely at the same level, but will make up a big difference. I'm mm-hmm. less worried about that. And I'm sure if you threw the right pick at um you know, the right pick at the Eagles, you'd end up with Fletcher Cox really quickly, which I'd love. I'm a big fan of Fletcher Cox. But there are other players as well. But anyway, I, I think that's similar to two. But the two the two that you talk about there with Creed Humphrey, um, that's an interesting one, I think, as well, because there was so much locks on our offensive line would creed humphrey have had the same year with the steelers that he had with the chiefs i think is an is an interesting question mm-hmm. um but putting that aside Steelers pick number 20 right now and an ideal world i'd love to be trading back because i just think you can end up with more and you can trade back four or five <laughs> spots and end up with more picks and i want to mm-hmm. talk about that we're going to go deep into that with some scenarios later on in the show but you're sitting there at twenty, assuming you don't trade back because Colbert's only done it once. Devin Lloyd's on the board from Utah, or Tyler Linderbaum's there from Illinois, the Iowa State, center or linebacker. <laughs> who are you picking? And you, you know, you might even pick either of them. But if you, if I, if, you, if I force you into picking one of the two guys, who are you picking?
2: Yeah. Well, again, we've talked about this. i I love Linderbaum his tenacity, his technique, uh, He's he's got excellent core strength. If, I don't know if you've seen the video of him throwing hay bales. Yeah. If you've ever thrown any hay bales, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, but I worry that he's going to have some of the similar issues that Green had mm-hmm. his rookie year because they say he's legit 290. Now, if he gains to, say, 315, where Green, I think, finished the year around in that area, yeah, will he still be as mobile? Will he still uh, be the same player at a heavier weight? Because I don't think he's going to be that tall either. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, closer to Green's height than let's say six five. So yeah. um, I think that when we'll see a lot at the combine. We'll learn his arm measurements, different things. Um, you know that that isn't as big an issue for a center, but when you go from college to the pros. And you have this behemoth in front of you that have the incredible explosiveness that they do. You're trying to snap that ball. And and before you can get your head up, they're all over you. And you see what it did to Green. He ended up on his backside more than he was on his feet. So if, if I had to say which guy was the safer pick and who I would pick if I was Jim, I would, I would say Lloyd.
1: Awesome. I, I'd, be the, I'd be the same. I mean, what I've seen Devin <laughs> Lloyd do on tape. I mean, when, you, know, yeah. you and I talk about a but like <laughs> man, if Devin Lloyd's sitting there, I mean, five-year deal for an inside linebacker, you know, mm-hmm. he's probably equal to what, or probably even better, you know, as a prospect than what, you know, Bush was coming out and he's sitting there at 20. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty inc- incredible opportunity there. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, for me, you know, all off season we've talked about, the offensive line, the offensive line. But every time he's sitting there on the board or there's a top cornerback sitting there on the board, I'm, I end up I, I, like I'm kicking them in a mock draft, right? Like it's yeah. just this defense that you can't, you know, people kind of prefer one or the other. And and, and I think even Steeler fans that love offense more than defense, there's just this rich history that we have on defense mm-hmm. that there's an appreciation for it, right? And then you think about not just like the, the situation we've had with Ben over the last couple of years, but we're going to have probably an bridge quarterback or Mason Rudolph, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll park that one there. But the ability to stop points and the ability to stop momentum in the run, and then you look at the AFC North and how run, run heavy it is. Yes, mm-hmm. obviously it all starts at the defensive line. But for me, this how they figure out inside linebacker is going to be really interesting. And I think the person that we didn't really get to talk much about, um, although we didn't get to see much and and I I think sort of fallen away from the conversation, but you interestingly brought him up in the in the BTC Slack channel in the last three or four days Um, is Buddy Johnson. We don't know. We we don't know how much Buddy Johnson's developed. We don't know completely what that fit looks like. We don't know how high the steals necessarily are on him. This is the big question mark at that inside linebacker position. And we talk about a foundation. I mean, There is there anything through the season that's made you lean either, you know, for or against, you know, Buddy Johnson? Where do you see his future going in 2022?
2: One thing we was just, you mentioned defense travels. It it doesn't matter what stadium. If you, defense travels and defense can keep you in games. Yeah. And the stores didn't have it this year. Somebody was talking about all they, uh, they had the ninth rate pass cover defense or whatever, but it's because the people run at will on them. They didn't have to pass. And yeah. so, you know, that's misleading. Stats can oftentimes do that. Right. Um, I, I like Buddy Johnson. I was really impressed with him at training camp and in um the preseason because I believe he's a true buck linebacker, yeah. But he has better mobility. If you look at his numbers, yes, uh, on here at the combine or at the you know the pro, we didn't have the combine, but uh, he, he has better speed that people give him credit for, more explosive. You know, look at his vertical and his shuttle times. So I think he has the potential to be better at coverage than he might have showed when he was in college, no. and we haven't had that at the buck position. Because uh, you Showbert is not a buck linebacker, not even close. <laughs> no, <he's> not. <laughs> they had two Mac linebackers at best in him and Bush, which you never want to have. That's a terrible combination. And everybody says, well, there's really not a difference. Well, there is a difference. And in a perfect world, you have a Vince Williams type guy who's a thumper, a run stopper. If he could have a little bit of coverage ability where Vince didn't have any. Um, that would go a long way to help your defense. Uh, you know, I love to watch, uh, white and David at Tampa Bay. Yeah. Those two guys are phenomenal in the, in the inside of the the middle of the field. They take everything away. They're always on their toes. They're attacking forward. They can do it all. Uh, you got inside backers like, uh, Warner and, uh, you know, of course I compared Muda Muma to uh, Luke Keekly in ways.
1: I love Keekly. <laughs> yeah,
2: he, you know, and also all these guys were kind of like Jack Lambert back in my day is that they stay on their toes. Some of them are chopping their feet, but they're playing downhill, but they still have the lateral uh, movement and the smoothness and instincts to quickly drop into coverage. And so that's the kind of thing that I think if we could get a strong – Mac guy, who is not contact allergic to contact like Bush became this year, not trying to run around the blocks or get caught up in the wash because he's just blindly running in there. If you could get the right guy at Mac and then let Buddy Johnson give you that extra mobility and hopefully coverage ability, uh, I think you really got something. But the Steelers' defense as such, they do not want to start uh, rookies at inside linebacker. They say it's too complicated. Mm. It's, you know, they're not playing instinctual. They're thinking too much. And when he did get in there, you've seen a little bit of that. Yeah. But if you have to, you know, with the salary cap and the way things are now, you have a limited window. So you got to use these guys. you got to push them in there. Even if it's for a few plays this game to help them gain confidence to, to get more comfortable. And if your defense that hard to learn, you need to simplify it a little bit.
1: Well, it's – yeah, I completely agree with you because –
2: you got to use the guys you have on your roster. Well, well, that's
1: it. Like, there's a there's a, lot of, there's a common saying we have in the rugby circles, you know, over here about playing what's in front of you. And I've talked about it with Mark before, about sometimes you see these players that have got so many X's and O's running through their head. And at the end of the day, if a guy's running at you, and there's another – you know, everyone else has taken their man – He's yours to tackle. Like, there's nothing more complex than that. Like, and run into space and, you know, hit holes and those sorts of things. And sometimes it's just, you see it on tape and you're like, what what is running through their head when they're
2: they're faced with some of these issues? It's like paralysis by overanalysis. Exactly. And you watch Green go through that towards the end of the year. And you've seen other defenders for the Steelers go through that. Because if you're overthinking, a lot of times you end up doing nothing. You try to do too much, and you don't do anything in the end. So,
1: yeah, it's it's. I agree with you on Buddy Johnson and that, and that movement. It's something that showed up to me after they drafted him, and you you watch some of that taking. Like, oh, he probably could do a bit more. So, I think you hit the nail on the head. And you talked about you know uh, Levante uh, David and um, uh, the other uh, Devin Devin White from from Tampa Bay. You know. Devon J. Campbell's available um, through free agency as well. And I think he's a very much a cheaper version of what they offer too. So perhaps that's Mm -hmm. an interesting one. for the Steelers, Mm -hmm. when you compare compare that to Shobit. I want to go on a bit of a different tact. We've talked a bit of defense. Obviously, the wide receiver positions come up this week and there's chat around, you know, trading Mm -hmm. Claypool and Deontay Johnson's deal. And, you know, everyone's got an opinion on the wide receivers. But we talked about building the foundation and you look at, You know, our AFC North rival uh, that's sitting there, you know, about to play in the Super Bowl tomorrow, um, you know, whether it's tomorrow for you guys over there in the States or tomorrow uh, for me over here in Australia on my Monday. But it's interesting because they've chosen to go a bit of a different way and they've built around Mm -hmm. some wide receivers. You know, there was that first-round pick, obviously, in Jamar Chase, which looks good now. Didn't look good through the preseason and the start (laughs) of the season uh, versus picking Sewell. Right now with the wide receivers where they're sitting with the Steelers, how big a need do you think this is uh, both, and, and how would you like that addressed over free agency in the draft? And the second part to that question is, would you like to see them re-sign Juju?
2: Juju come back, I believe, for two reasons. One, I don't think he got the offer that he was really wanting as far as the year's. And he really wanted to play with Ben one more yeah. year. I think, I think Juju really uh, admires and loves the Stiller franchise. Um, and I'm i I'm a big fan of Juju, but I think that he's not a wide receiver one. No, he could be more effective in a more explosive offense. Uh, who's going to throw the ball down the field, down the saves more, uh, than the Steelers definitely did this past couple of seasons, and so for his sake and for his opportunity to play in a Super Bowl somewhere down the line, and uh, I, I part of me wants wants him to go and sign with somebody where he'll be able to be more effective. The other part is he's so young still that he might be able to still be in a, in, in his prime years by the time we hopefully the stores do find their next, you know, franchise quarterback. Cause I mean, I'm sure that's going to be a huge focus for a while. The, the wide receiver core right now to me, doesn't have a wide receiver one at all. No. Um, Johnson, you know, I was so proud of Johnson because he, he cut his drops way back for the first 15 games. Yeah. And I wrote articles. I was bragging on him, you know, like he's really worked so hard <laughs> and he did. He worked so hard. You yeah. Know. And, but to be the wide receiver one you got to be clutch there, there's no other word to use the 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 big time players are come up big at the big moments and he didn't do that i mean it, I mean whether it's just dropping the ball running in the Kansas City game or two drops in the in the first three drives in the playoff game that could have kept the drive going one he might have took it to the house if he would have caught it. You know, AB. You know, as much as I, uh, you know, hate to say anything really good about him, but he came through in those situations. He was clutch. Uh, Hines Ward, San Antonio Holmes. But, but look at. But there's been at, tons of them guys, but we don't have that right now.
1: And 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 that's what I mean though. In like a, a, a Jamar Chase as well, right? Like mm-hmm. Jamar Chase came out, all that you know, all that criticism. Mm-hmm. He doesn't drop balls. No, no. and 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 that's and that, but it's different, it's just this different mentality, and and that's why I think it's interesting. Where some people say Deontay Johnson's not good enough to be a a number one. I agree with you, I think he's really done the work. You see it before every game, he's out there with the tennis ball, and I've, I've heard he does even a golf ball, um, and what have you. But there's a mentality there, and and that's the question mark for me is does he have the mentality? Does he have that? killer instinct that we talk about with like an AB and and the San Antonio Mm -hmm. Holmes and, you know, even a Mike Wallace to, to some, to some degree, like, does he have, does he have that there? Right. And and that's what I wonder about in terms of, you know, a long-term deal for him. Anyway, I wanted to keep hearing what, how are you thinking about the wide receiver?
2: Well, I'm glad you said that because it's not just performance. It's mentality. Like we talked about earlier, comparing TJ Watt to Devin Bush. And towards the end of the year, when he started to struggle on social media, he tried to defend himself, and he kind of come at the fans who, you know, openly criticized the drops, which, you know, you have to have a certain mentality, a certain strength to be able to take criticism. And especially if you're going to pay attention to it, if you're going to be that number one wide receiver, you, then you go to Chase Claypool, who has incredible size, but plays like he's five nine, <laughs> because he's trying to catch balls at his waist, right. and he loves to jump. And like I've said, he's a leaping leaner. He he leans back and he tries to catch it right here, and he he doesn't know how to high point the ball. I would love to see him get with, you know, a lot of these guys work out together in the in all season. I'd love to see him get with a guy like T Higgins. For the Bengals or Larry Fitzgerald, if he would work with him, or any of these guys who knew I'd like to I, see
1: him even just work with Freeman. I mean, Freeman's yeah, kind of
2: catching exactly. Freeman catches anything gets near him. He <laughs> he just needs, you know, to work on that. And but last off season, I think he was distracted. I think that the success he had might have distracted him a little bit. And so I'm hoping this off season. He, he's going to get the help. Like, you see Green straight to Pouncy. I don't know what he's doing right now, but I hope he's working on that. Because, then you got a lot of question marks. At one time, it looked like the stewards were five deep at receiver, and now you've got two guys. You don't have a wide receiver one. You've got two guys that can definitely be wide receiver two or three in whatever order. But they need more talent there. They got to have somebody to take the top off of defense. They got to get some speed. All the top units have speed or guys who at least like you look at Cooper cup. I don't even really know what he run in the 40, but he sets up defense backs and he gets wide open, including, yeah. you know, down the scene. So yeah. you don't have to run a four or three to get open deep. No, but you, you know, he's, he's kind of a, obviously a special outliner there, but they, they need to find that speed guy. Um, and they need somebody, as you was talking earlier, if they get a young quarterback, you want somebody that they can grow together. Yeah, That's what the Bengals did. They knew that Burrow had that relationship with Chase. And when they had the opportunity, they pulled the trigger. Well, and –
1: I mean, I completely agree with you. And, and as you said there, speed, we need the speed, and there's no taking away from that. But even you look at like a John Ross that the Bengals had, right, one of the fastest guys that, you know, to ever come in the league. What's he doing now? Nothing with the Giants, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's not, it's not everything. But it's this is what's interesting with Juju because, number one, I think it, there are a few things that float around my head, which are that if you've got Mason Rudolph – you know he's got familiarity with Juju, and I think if you are literally if that's, if that is what their plan is right now, if they can't find a way to to keep Juju, and I think, and I've said in the Slack channel, I'll stick by oh, man my word. You know I think Juju on six million base, two million for incentives, one million for a thousand yards, one million for mm-hmm. you know the eight touchdowns or more, which I don't think he's going to get either with Mason. So it's a six million dollar deal for me. Um, you know why not? Because I, because of how much flux flux is in this room. But I think you talked. You brought up a good point there about youth as well. You know, is there a like? I would love to see this situation of maturity from the Steelers where they sit down with with Juju, and it's got to be team friendly because who knows what's going to happen mm. in three or four years, and it's got to be friendly for to him too. If we don't find that quarterback, but do you say to Juju, "All right, yeah, I think he's twenty five this year or twenty four. We're gonna bring him back on a five six year deal." We're going to give you a bit up front, so we're going to give you so you're going to get a nice, healthy number for two years with a you know a, a good bonus there, good signing bonus, you know, a good good roster bonuses and what have you. We might might give you some roster bonuses in the your last couple of years as well, but we're we're seeing this as a long term thing, not a two or three year thing. We want you for the long haul. We want someone that can be a bedrock of that wide receiver. And you know, I don't, I don't think even you know Juju sitting there thinking is wide receiver number one, but you know, it'd be a great two a or he's you know. It's funny, when we say wide receiver number one, for me, it's like, you know, definitely a playmaker, can do anything, he's going to score you, you know, 10 touchdowns a season, It's going to break a 1,000 yards. But in some ways, for me, Juju's the number one in that he's a go-to, you know, and you saw that event, mm-hmm. Like, he delivers in clutch the way, mm-hmm. you know, there's balls that Deontay's dropped at key moments that Juju doesn't drop those balls. So, mm-hmm. it's it's funny when we talk about, you know, wide receiver number one and what do we mean by wide receiver number one. To me, if you could sit down there with Juju and have that discussion and you you can work on something like that, I would love to see them keep keep him. But if he's thinking he's going to get three or four-year deal on $11 bucks, no way. But Mm -hmm. this is what's interesting as well about the 20th pick, right? Because, you know, there was an article today in NFL about five teams that, you know, should actually draft a wide receiver. The Steelers weren't one of them. Mm. And I think it would... Sense it, some or most Steelers fans would be pretty incensed if they picked a wide receiver mm. with the twentieth pick, but if you get a like and and as I say, there are a lot of teams with a lot of needs before us, and they're not wide receiver, particularly teams that are picking with three, two or three picks in the first round. You know, like Philadelphia mm-hmm. has a lot of wide receivers; they got three picks in the teens. If someone like a Chris Alave. Or a um, Garrett Wilson is sitting there at twenty, and you know we factor in a five-year deal with them as well. Do you pull the Do you pull the trigger on that? Does that factor into your decision? Because right now, you know, you don't necessarily have Ray Ray back. You don't have Juju back. You know, you don't have James Washington back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like, yeah, what, what? Like, what do you do if there's those two guys sitting on the board there?
2: I've always said, you know, they want to we all like to say best player available yeah, every year. And the problem is, is that's not really accurate because let's say that you're the Bengals and the best player available is a quarterback. You don't need a quarterback. So it has to be best player available at a position of need. The good thing about the Steelers, and it's also the bad thing, is they have needs everywhere. <laughs> now, I believe that some needs are bigger than others, like we've talked yes. about. Offensive line, you know, defensive line, uh, cornerback, inside linebacker. Yeah. Wide receiver would not be priority for me. But if you have a chance to get a guy that you really believe is generational yeah, and you're in complete rebuild mode, which I believe the Steelers are, it would be hard not to pull that trigger.
1: Yeah, and th- this is what I mean because mm-hmm. – I've noticed some things in some mocks changing, and I love the way you said that about best player available. I was thinking of similar lines a couple of days ago. I was sitting there, and I'd done a few mock drafts in a row, and I kind of sat there and was, I scratched my head like, "How oh, now?" I'm going, "Hmm, it's kind of hard when you see best player available because there's some really good talent in this draft that is going to be that in other drafts just would, purely wouldn't be sitting where it is right now." And so it's a really interesting discussion there, and you know, and you talked about that with a good example of the quarterback. You talk about it with they picked Jamar Chase because he's the best player on the board for them because mm-hmm. he's got the relationship with Joey Burrow. And, you know, even I sat there at the time going, that is ridiculous. You've just let your quarterback, you know, who you think's generational, you know, smack his ACL in and, and now he's coming back. And and how could you do that? How could you not give him an offensive lineman? And yeah. <laughs> look at what Jamar Chase has done for them. I thought it was crazy.
2: I thought they were crazy. I really did, yeah.
1: <laughs> I couldn't believe it, right? So <laughs> – it's, it is it is interesting. And, you know, people put up there's talent around six or seven. The wide receiver, the wide receivers are interesting for me where I'm sitting right now. There's great talent in the second and third round as well. Then there's great talent six round and later. But in the middle, though, I, I worry. Like, if the Steelers pick a wide receiver at three or four, they better, they, and obviously the Steelers know more than we do or we'd be in their position. But, like, they better be good. Like, if we saw a another, you know, to Deontay Johnson out of Toledo pick this sort of this sort of year in round three or round four. I I'd, I'd be livid at that point in time because I just I think there's a real gap in, in where the value sits right now and what they need. But yo, know, it just it just it is an interesting one with this wide receiver room because you know we all talk about the quarterback, but they got to throw the ball to someone, right? Now even mm. if this team runs through <laughs> Najee Harris, right, they've got to throw the ball to someone, and it's a and it is a really interesting sort of piece. But you are on. Steelers touch downer, and so each week, uh, Mark and I have a sling in the slain segment um, that we like to sort of talk a few things Australia. So I've got a few questions for you on some Australian slang. You don't have to attempt to pronounce it, but I want to I want to hear you have a guess with that. But it is Super Bowl week, mm-hmm. and so uh, what I thought I would share it's an interesting one for the Super Bowl in Australia for us because you know a lot of people might be surprised to know this, but and maybe it's because I went to an all boys school, but ever since uh, grade seven, Super Bowl, because obviously Super Bowl is on a Monday for us, on Monday lunchtime. Well, most teachers would actually put it on a TV in the classroom and we would actually have the Super Bowl on in the background <laughs> during class. And I remember I had a uh, double period in, I think, grade 10 and my geography teacher. <laughs> who who was an NFL fan, but he took it upon himself to put the whole game on and then happened to look after us over lunch as well, so we could sit there and watch almost the whole game. But it actually it's it's very funny, you know, how big a footprint the Super Bowl has. And I don't know, like if it was on a Monday in America, how many schools would let you sit there and watch the Super Bowl?
2: Mm, I, I doubt it. I, it's it's <laughs> funny we uh as a uh person of faith and you was talking about uh, building things on a foundation yeah growing up uh you know you had church services at night yeah on sunday night and and so i you know from the time i was little i was like uh can i stay home and watch the super Bowl <laughs> and and you know they said well you know your face up to you you know and you make that decision and uh it didn't affect my faith, but I wanted to watch the Super Bowl. So <laughs> so while you were you know, in your time you'd have been in class in school, I was I stayed home to watch the Super Bowl because it's once a year. I mean, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> watch it. Like?
2: I don't see I don't see it uh the schools letting kids out or early or whatever to watch the Super Bowl. Unless you're in Cincinnati, which you know that if they've canceled school on Monday. Yeah, right. Already because they they want to. I guess they're hoping for that, you know, Super Bowl celebration, and they want the kids to be able to watch it, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, you know, because you don't want them staying up late watching it, and then having to get up and go to school the next day. Well, I always think it's funny that it's not a national
1: holiday for you guys. In fact, we have a the AFL in Australia, the Aussie Rules football, um, mm-hmm. that which was originally Victorian football. Or it was capital cities Melbourne. Um, they recently changed one of their public holidays to be the to be the monday after their version of the super bowl the afl grand final so that people could take it and they already have the friday off because they have a big parade in melbourne and and all the rest of it and what have you so they all have a four-day weekend for their version of the super bowl now in that state um so it's an interesting prospect but i also you know as someone with a bit of faith myself you know i wonder i wonder whether the super bowl is a time when uh when the Lord is uh, definitely uh, filled with filled with a few prayers. There might be a few more prayers going on in living rooms than there are in some church. Yes.
2: It's funny. I've, I always tell people um, I've never prayed over a sporting event because, you know, there there's more important things that I, I'm yeah. going to pray over. I have prayed over the safety and the well-being of the participants, okay. you know, because that, I think that's something worth praying over. But I've never prayed for... Uh, a certain team to win, even the Steelers. Of course, I'm also not a gambler, so I'm sure there's uh, a lot of people who's got money on this, <laughs> yeah. and they're going to be like, "Please, please, please."
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know about that. I think that's a bit. I mean, you're like praying for a win on the uh, in that situation, uh, but that's that's a good one. Uh, well, I want to get back to talking Steelers because we don't have a lot of time left in the show, so you're going to have to come back on with Mark and I, and then we can uh-huh. challenge you with some Aussie slang uh, from there. <laughs> But I, I think the burning question that sat with me as we've been talking, um, and I do like to freestyle this a little bit, is: is there a position of right now amongst the Steelers? Because we talked a lot, a lot about needs there, right? And you talked about there's so many needs. Is there one position that you would be, you know, would make steam come out of your ears if the Steelers actually did draft in that position? not for agencies I think free agency offers values in its own right with mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is there a position on this roster right now where if they draft that at any point in this draft you know let's say in the first five five rounds and I, I know they don't have a fifth round pick but you know they could trade back mm-hmm. in whatever they did last year um yeah ha, you know what what position is that
2: you know part of me wanted to say edge you know because of why yeah. and Hasmith but yeah. you can never have enough top edge guys, and yeah. there's some, there's a certain amount of talent, and then it drops off. Yeah, I think I think middle linebacker is much stronger, but edge is is you know you got the top guys, and then there's a huge drop. But for me, the weakest position in this draft is running back. Mm-hmm. Now, understand when I say that, I'm not saying there's not any good running backs, but there isn't any generational running backs.
1: Yeah,
2: so these guys could be had someone's going to fall, guys that could really help the team, and if they're going to fall into the fifth, sixth, seventh round or even go undrafted. So I do not think that the Steelers need to pull the trigger on running back for that reason and also until they strengthen the line, you really don't know what you have at running back. Yeah. I mean, Harris was breaking tackles in the backfield to get two or three-yard runs. I mean, his, his determination effort was – Without question. Yeah. Not every guy has that kind of talent. No. And it doesn't mean that Snell, Bellage, these guys can't play in the pros, but you don't know what you got with the lines as bad as the Steelers were last year.
1: Well, uh, and imagine McFarlane behind a decent line. Mm-hmm. I mean, once he doesn't trip over his own toes, um, you know, like, we <laughs> give him some time not to trip over his own toes. Yes, he's just trying yes. to find a way to move, you know, and get some <laughs> outside zone going. And, you know, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing. You draft McFarlane, but you're playing a lot of inside zone. And I know you <laughs> play some of that in college, but you're like, you know, that speed, you're not running off the tackle. Like, yeah, that's, that's a whole different, you know, we could probably mm-hmm. sit here for an hour and talk about that in itself. <laughs> Um, and then we probably need. You know, I'm sure KT Smith and uh, Jeffrey Benedict and Dave Schofield would love to be in that <laughs> conversation as well. Um, is there a position that no one's talking about
2: that you would like to see drafted? Because I'm with you all the way on running back. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the because we don't know what's going to happen with Edwards, and there is some really strong candidates in those first three rounds, in my opinion, um, at strong safety and if edwards doesn't come back you know you can't go into it with uh uh, next year if they sign him back you know he can't start so they're going to have to either go free agency or strong safety so all that's going to depend on edwards but there is some talent there the kid out of baylor I don't know how to say his last uh, name. Oh yeah, I, I think you getting it
1: wrong, but like Peter, I think it is, but like Peter, or Petrie. Petrie. Yeah.
2: Then there's that Smith kid out of Georgia Tech. Yeah. There's there's certain guys that in these all-star games. Now again, the combine hasn't took place. Yeah. The produce haven't taken place, but they looked really impressive and would look like maybe good fits. So that's something that I think you don't hear anybody hardly talking about, but strong safety is going to be a big one.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I talked about in War Room this week. There's not a lot of guys in free agency. There's actually not. Um, And if you're looking at that, Edmonds is kind of pretty much the best one, unless you're going to lay out a heap of money for Tyron Matthew. And then I don't know how well that really really fits with Fitzpatrick. Um, And this is... It's kind of sat there with me for a little while, and people challenge me on it in terms of the coverage games, but I think the Steelers, particularly Terrell Austin, can work it out. But if if Minka was open to doing more, now this is the thing, everyone talks about the fact that you know he wanted out of you know Miami and he didn't want to do all the things they were asking him to do. I think he wanted to of Miami because he didn't want to be in the dysfunction that's clearly there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. even if half the allegations that have been made a correct. I mean that that's just a yeah ridiculous. Um, and I hate to see a coach like a young coach like Mike McDaniel over there. You know I don't hope that doesn't ruin what he has as a really promising coaching career. But you know it's interesting because there are some good people at free safety in this draft. There's some good people at free safety at, in in the in free agency. Are there people that are good tacklers that you can get Mink doing a little bit of strong safety and you know have these two sort of mm-hmm. hybrid sort of roles? I'd be wanting. I'd be really interested to know what are those conversations that are going on with the Steelers because that you know we talk about letting the team get better. If there is some openness there and some flexibility, you know we could really see an up level in our safety play. But it's interesting. I'm glad to hear that you're you've got some faith in some of the strong safeties in this draft. I worry a little bit about their weight. Um, I think they're mm-hmm. some smaller guys than what Edmonds is. And so for me, yeah, I, I kind of sit there and think you need to bring Edmonds back. I don't think like if – I don't wouldn't like to say any more than a three-year deal, but I think two years is t- too little. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting one because even a guy like Briscoe who's available, who I think is more of a free safety, but I think he is like 200 pounds, um, he's sitting there at the top of the second. So if you trade back and you've got multiple twos and you don't bring back Edmonds, mm-hmm. That gives you, you know, and then same as the guy from Baylor, you know, he's he's predicted to be there in that second, you know, early in the second as well or very late first. Again, you can trade back and you can get more picks to get a guy like that. Interestingly for me, um, it's actually tight end is one for me that I don't think is on a lot of people's Mm -hmm. radar. You know, Ebron's gone as far as I'm concerned. Yes, you have Fremuth and I think Gentry's proved proved you can block. But Mm -hmm. this is a deep tight end draft. And there are guys sitting there in the fourth and the fifth that would usually be there in the second or the third. At the moment, like these are mock drafts. Two of these guys are probably going to do really well at the combine as we <laughs> talk about all their pro days. They'll rock it up the boards. But I do sit there and I wonder, and you think about a Matt Canada offense, which we all keep talking about, but we haven't quite really seen yet. You know, you could get a guy here on three or four years and really upgrade a position where you have to spend for the top guys I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a, a tight end, but I think you probably are needing to have to come back into the draft. I think you're going to have to use a next year's pick if you want to get one, but yeah, tight end, tight end's not as sure for me as what I think it is for some people on the board right now. And, you know, it's interesting. You talked earlier about Ben and not really using a tight end since Heath. There are a lot of other guys that do like to use a tight end. Mm-hmm. I think you look at, you know, if you talk about a Trubisky or a Mariota, those guys have traditionally worked with decent tight ends. So, if you're going to bring a guy like that in, what are you giving them?
2: Well, the, if firm youth progresses, like I think he will, um, especially with if they bring in some of Canada's, you know, can expand on his system with a quarterback with mobility that Ben didn't have, then I think that firm youths usage will go up. Yeah. And Gentry showed – that those little inline screens and, and in the work in the middle, once he catches that ball, he's, he's like bait, trying to tackle a giraffe, you know, they have to go low because if they don't, he runs over. So I, I just think that if Armuth takes that next step in targets and then Gentry is continues to improve as a blocker, I just don't know how much you would use a third tight end. Yeah. That's the yeah. only thing. But like you said, this is there's some really talented tight ends in this class. Um, and, and all the way through, like, the five rounds, uh, yeah. the top five rounds. So, again, if they go with the, like we talked about, the best player available, Friermuth could easily be moved into the slot and used kind of like a Kelsey or a yeah. Kettle. And <laughs> then you could have that, you know, used for that other tight end. So so it, it could just open up. A lot of things can open up here based on the free agency and and we'll know more after the combat, of course.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I think you really brought up the point there about free the in the slot. That's one that I think I, I mean I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I sort of it was interesting. You talk about senior bowl and a guy that popped on my radar that really wasn't was um the tight end out of Nevada. Now, obviously, everyone knows I'm really high on Carson Strong. And mm-hmm. you know, I, at the start of the show, you said unless there's a quarterback you strongly believe in, and my mind's going Carson Strong, <laughs> Carson Strong. Um, I'm but Ritter. This, <laughs> well, i I you know what, I'm Ritter. I know, yeah, because no, no, Ritter's kinda, sitting there in the second round. Like, every yeah, you've got, has
2: you there. you got Willis, who's so super athletic, and then you have uh, Strong, who throws the ball. Very well from the pocket, and I think Ritter. Well, so is Pickett, but I think Ritter kind of gives you both, and he might be there in the second to you know set for a year behind the bridge guy. You know that's in a perfect scenario. But I also like Strong. But a lot the combine is going to tell us a lot about him too. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and
1: free Really, I, I liked what I saw at the senior bowl. And you said in the V D C Slack like, channel, oh, I'm the Ritter guy. Um, uh, I'm not I actually thought Pickett, I know he didn't miss a throw in that senior bowl, but I actually wasn't impressed with what I saw at the senior bowl. I I have real in the game. I actually mm-hmm. I sat there going, Eek, that's gonna be your number one quarterback. Like, please no. Um, and it's not about age or hand size for me. I just I, I don't necessarily anything as well. But what I was gonna say is he that what stood out to me was the chemistry between strong and the tight end from Nevada. I think his name's Cole. I think it's Cole Turner off the yeah. top of my head. But I, I noticed he threw a lot of passes to him and, and I, he wasn't a guy that really had shown up my radar much. A lot of people, you know, you end up focusing on dudes from um, the wide receiver room and dudes from Nevada. But then I want to watch some tape on Turner and I'm like, well, Hey, no, this guy's pretty cool. Like actually, so it's thrown <laughs> up. Like, and it's this draft process. Um, we've got two minutes left. Super Bowl tomorrow. We are on BTC. It is happening in the NFL. Some people in the live chat have been saying they're not. They don't really care. They're not a fan. It's obviously got a divisional rival in that game. Um, a. Who do you want to see win and why? And B. Who do you think will win and why?
2: I'll try my best to keep it short and sweet. Uh, I root for the Rams because I can never root for the Bengals. Yeah, uh, their fans would never root for the Steelers no matter what the situation is. So. Uh, if the Bengals somehow win, I'll be happy for Hilton. Some of the guys, uh, it's more their fan base that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, I think the Rams. I've got a prediction, something like 31-28. Yep. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be a good game, but I do think the Rams have the advantage. Uh, their defensive line versus the Bengals' offensive line. Uh, and then they have Ramsey, who I think will be able to. I expect Higgins to have a bigger game than Chase. Yeah. So uh yeah, I'd have to go Rams 31-28. Great.
1: Great. I I like the Rams to win too. I think Matt Stafford deserves a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's just really and
2: Aaron Donald.
1: Good. Yeah, A A D as well. I think <laughs> and Whitworth, like uh, you know, he's uh-huh. someone that yeah. I've watched. Yeah. I actually liked Whitworth for a long time. I remember yeah. watching the um you know, when they first went into LA after St. Louis and I watched the uh, the hard knocks that year and it was back with the, Jeff Fisher was the coach and all the rest of it. And Whitworth was, he was even, he was a potential cut with his contract at that time, I think mm-hmm. as well. And I just remember watching this guy and he was just really down to earth. Um, and so you're a big, big fan of him. So yeah, I'd like to see the Rams win as well. Like I was high on this uh, Bengals team coming into the season in terms of I thought they were going to do well. I didn't think they would do this well so quickly. Um, but yeah, I do not want to see the Visual rivals get a Super Bowl. I just do not want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it might be sitting somewhere like a 36 29. Uh, but then I could see a low game as well. Um, but that's sort of where I'm currently feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, I wanted to thank you very much, Channel White, for joining us here on Steelers Touch Down Under. Uh, we'll have you on again because you didn't you didn't get the full slang treatment this week. But I had so <laughs> such a pleasure. Uh, talking all things solid foundations um, and hopefully the Steelers can find a few rocks and not find sand that, uh, you know, washes away uh, over the years to come. But with that, uh, go steals as always. And Shannon, I think we can uh, sign off the way you sign off the all hangovers as well. Oh, okay. Are we ready? Yeah, we're ready.